Good morning, everybody. It is good to have you here today. Thank you for everyone who is here, here in the building and everyone that is at home. We appreciate you being a part of the journey this morning. Hey, real quick, uh, Easter comes in two weeks. Uh, we have two services at 9 and 1030 in this building. We hope that you will be a part of that. Uh, make sure you go ahead and start pre-registering for that. Uh, we're going to uh, try to get as many people as we can in here. We understand that COVID's still happening. We're still kind of in the midst of these mandates, and uh, we're still going to be fully online that day too, um, but we're looking forward to what Easter has to offer us. But we celebrate Easter every single day um, if we're a follower of Jesus, and every Sunday we come together to celebrate that too as a church. So hope you'll join us for that. Uh, we all know exercise is good for us, right? The question is, do we actually exercise or not? We've got to make that decision. Uh, but we do things to get our bodies in, in shape. We know exercise is good for our bodies. Aerobic exercise, like running and walking and hiking and, and biking, getting on the elliptical machine, all these things are important. But weight training is also good for the body too. Now, if you've never lifted before and you go to the gym, one of the things you're going to find pretty quickly is you have no muscle, right? That, that you're actually weak when you show up at the gym. Now, you go to the gym and it can be intimidating uh, because you have these, these muscle heads that are there and, uh, and they're there on the bench press and they're, they're bench, doing their bench presses and they're grunting like in pain every single time. You're like, I thought this was supposed to be good for you, but you sound like you're hurting and, and they're wearing medium shirts, right? You know what I'm talking about? Their shirts are like five sizes too small and they're kind of barely even moving around like this. But, but we know for us to get strong, we have to start out weak. And every single one of us do. And, and the more we lift, the stronger we become over time. This morning, we continue our series called The Revolution. And we've been talking about Jesus as the, the ultimate revolutionary. That, that's for 2,000 years, 2,000 years ago, he was bringing these revolutionary ideas to the people that he was interacting with. But, but here we are 2,000 years later, and we understand that this revolution that he was leading is something that was for all humanity. It wasn't for just a people group. It wasn't just for a country. It's for all humanity. And this morning, I want to talk about this weakness that I think we all have. And maybe we don't even realize that we have weakness, and yet Jesus can make us stronger. Now to talk about this topic today, we are going to go old school, like Sunday school type stuff. We're going to look at an old school story that we're probably, all of us are familiar with, even if you didn't grow up in the church. Uh, I would say it's probably one of the top three to five Bible stories, even has its own song, Right? We're going to talk about this wee little man who's named Zacchaeus, okay? So we're going to talk about Zacchaeus today. I sang that song in my mind like 15 times this week to help me remember some stuff. But anyway, Luke 19 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Here's how it begins, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, Jericho at that time was a very wealthy and very important city, important town. It was um, at the set of really a crossroads for travelers, uh, people that were kind of going from Egypt into Jerusalem into the east and, and vice versa. This was a town that you were going to have to stop in to, to take a break, to, to, to just kind of rest. But it was also a lot of goods that were being traded there. Uh, it was known for its palm forest. It was known for its rose gardens. It was known for its dates. And it was world famous for its balsam groves. 
And so the Romans would actually come into Jericho and they would take the dates and they would take the balsam wood and they, they put it out on this worldwide trade. So this, this wood specifically was known all over the world. And so Jericho, because it's become this financial center, it's this incredible, incredible taxation place for, and probably one of the greatest places for the Palestinian world at that time. Now, as we look at the very first part of Luke 19 here, we find out where we are, but we also meet this guy named Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector there in Jericho. We find that out from what we're reading. That meant he's the head of the local taxation department, the head of the, the, the city's uh, IRS, if you will. But, but he's probably not the one going out and getting taxes anymore. He's in the management position, right? Uh, he's a boss. He employs other people to actually go out and collect the taxes. And so whatever tax money would come in, his job was to take that money and say, okay, this is what Rome has requested. This is what the local governments have requested. I got to pay my people. And oh, by this, the way, I'm going to keep some for myself. All that was on the up and up for the most part. Jericho was very wealthy. And as we find, Zacchaeus was very rich. And the reason he had so much money and had so much richness in his life in his bank account it's really because he extorted money from the people. He was bringing in more money than was truly needed for what his job called for. And so because of what he did and the way he handled his business, he was very, very unpopular and, and probably had very little social connection with anybody in that town. But you know, if we were to look at Zacchaeus, he was living the life he was meant to live, Right? I mean, if we base that on sort of the business world model of then, and I'm, I know of today, because we're told to focus on our strengths. Focus on the things that you're good at. He's good with numbers. He, he's a good manager of, of people. And so he's, he's playing to his strengths. I'm guessing he's also got the personality that's a little bit narcissistic, maybe a lot narcissistic. Like, he's, he doesn't care what people think about him. Why? <laughs> he's got fat pockets, right? His bank account is flush with money he, he's living this incredible incredible life but then jesus is coming into town look at verse three he says he tried to get a look at jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for jesus was going to pass that way have you ever been to the airport uh maybe downtown dc some other city town and uh, all of a sudden, people start flocking to like one location. You're like, hey, what's going on? What's happening? And they'll yell out, oh, you know, such and such a celebrity is, is over here. Or, or, you know, this politician, the president's walking up the street here. And so everybody runs to go see what's, what's happening, what's going on. Who is this individual? And in today's world, we're going we're gonna to gram it, right? We're going to take a picture of it. And we're going to put it on all of our social media stuff. We want people to know we saw this person. Now, back in that day, you didn't have that happening. But when a celebrity were to show up, and by the way, Jesus has seen a celebrity at this point, okay? Now, he's teaching this teaching that they have never heard of, and it's just changing people's lives, and there's miracles, and there's healing that's happening. And so they want to see Jesus. They think Jesus is going to be their future king. Like, he's going to be this true revolutionary. He's going to lead them against the Roman Empire. They're going to become this, this new place, this place they've always meant to be, that God created them to be, that all this was going to happen. So Jesus is kind of the celebrity at the time, and anywhere he would go, people would flock to see him. Same thing is happening here. Uh, Jericho is, is there. Jesus comes into Jericho, and the people know Jesus is there. They're flocking to see him, and Zacchaeus wants to go see him too. 
but he's not very tall. And it's hard for him to see. And I can imagine the people, because they don't like Zacchaeus, like he's running up behind him. They're probably throwing a few elbows, a few hip checks. Or maybe they're saying, hey, Zacchaeus is coming. Everybody block his way. They're all scrunching up together so he can't see. Well, he's a pretty resourceful person. He's always had to be this way. Runs up to the sycamore tree. He climbs up it so he can see this Jesus that he's heard so much about. Look at verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now, Zacchaeus is just sitting up in that tree, and he's just watching Jesus come on by, right? He, he doesn't call out, yo, Jesus, look up here. Hey, man, I'm up here. He's just waiting. He's watching. He's like everybody else. He's a spectator. He just wants to see this Jesus guy that everybody has been talking about. But then Jesus does something really, really strange. He stops. He, he stops right there at that tree. He looks up into it, and he calls out Zacchaeus by his name. I'm guessing, knowing the little that we do about Zacchaeus, he got his name called out a whole lot back in that day. There were probably some really colorful adjectives that were added before his name and after his name, right? But here's Jesus, this person he's never met before, he's never seen before, he's only heard of Jesus, and Jesus actually stops and calls Zacchaeus by his name. He's like, Zacchaeus, I want to go hang out with you. I, I want to spend time with you. It's probably like Zacchaeus feels like he got backstage passes after the concert and nobody else did. Because look at what it says here. It says he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He's excited. He's full of joy. I love the response of the crowd, though. Verse 7, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Zacchaeus was notorious before B.I.G. was notorious, right? I mean, he's, the people don't like him at all. And they, they don't just say he's a sinner. He's a notorious sinner. Now, why would they say this about him? Well, one, he worked for the Roman government. He was seen as a traitor to the Jewish people. Uh, another one was he extorted money from the people. Of course, that would be a, a pretty big reason to not like him. And then he probably condoned more extortion from his own tax department, right? He's like, hey, you need to bring in us some more money than you are. I know so what we're supposed to do. You need to extort even more money from the people, even though he probably didn't use that term. Well, in the Jewish faith, Zacchaeus is a sinner, and it's because he's robbing from the people. He's a traitor because of his connection to the Roman government, and he's robbing from the people. And so as a sinner, if you were following the Jewish rules and regulations, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the religious revolution that Jesus led. If you were to go into this sinner's home, then you would become impure. You would become unclean. So what did you have to do? Well, after that, you'd have to go through this whole big ritualistic ceremonial cleansing to get yourself right with, with God again. That was the point behind this. But Jesus is like, I don't care. I'm going to his house anyway. And the people are like, no, 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 you can't do that. But for Jesus, this isn't about Zacchaeus' crimes. This isn't about his classification as a sinner. This is about his heart. And this is about Zacchaeus' soul. And so Jesus is there to connect with who Zacchaeus is. Uh, look at verse 8. 
It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, as we look at verses 7 and 8 there, we don't know how much time has, has, has been used here. Um, one of the things I try to remind us when we read Scripture is that we're not getting the bullet points, we're getting more than that, but we're not getting the whole story. But you see that word, meanwhile, that starts verse 8. This means some time has passed. Like there, there's been a conversation that Jesus has been having with Zacchaeus over the course of, and it may have just been a, a few moments that this is going on. But however long it happened, Jesus shows up in his life, and his life is changed and transformed. And we know this because Zacchaeus actually acknowledges it. He acknowledges his sin. But even beyond that, he takes action. He wants to show people that he has been changed and transformed because Jesus has done this in his life. He realizes what he's done. He realizes how many people that he's robbed from, how many people he's cheated out of their money. And so he wants to fully follow Jesus, wants to kind of walk away from his past and start fresh. Now, in the Jewish world, if you robbed somebody, if you took more than you should have taken, if you wronged them financially, again, if we go back to what we talked about the first week of the religious revolution that happened, there were things that were, were, were required of you to, to, to pay back. And we actually read that. If we go back to these laws we've talked about, back in Numbers chapter 5, verse 7, here's what the law said. The law said, they must make full restitution for the wrong they have done, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it to the person they have wronged. For Zacchaeus, this is all that's required. This is what the law says, based on the religious traditions and rules and regulations. This is what he is supposed to do. He's supposed to give back what he stole, right, what he took from them that was extra, and then give them 20% more over and beyond that. And that's it. We find, though, that Zacchaeus takes an unusual step himself. He says, I'm going to give back what I took, but I'm going to give back four times what I took. It's like, wow, that's pretty incredible. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you know what else? I'm going to give half of what I have. I'm going to give it to the poor. See, this time with Zacchaeus that Jesus has had, this, this influence Jesus has had in his life has fully changed Zacchaeus. He is now a different person. Look at verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. My plan today was to talk about the financial revolution that Jesus led, because he did. He, 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 he influenced us to do more than, than maybe what we think we should do when it comes to financial stuff and, and giving back, right? And, and this story is great for this, and I had already actually written out a whole message, and I was going to talk about greed, because, hey, Zacchaeus, full of greed. And I was going to talk about giving, right, because the, the rules and laws, like, this is what you're supposed to give, and I was going to talk about that, and then I, I was going to talk about generosity. Here's, here's Zacchaeus who comes in and is like, hey, I, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to go beyond, over and beyond what I, I need to give, and as I was working through this, I kept coming back to like something's not quite right here. Something, something is missing because there's, there's more going on here than maybe we, we realize. And again, it would be easy to talk about this in a financial sense, but I want to talk about this with this idea that we understand that we are weak. We're weak. And we, we think we're strong, 
But the reality is we are very weak. Now we go back to the business world and talk about that model just for a second where we're told to focus on our strengths. I mean, again, Zacchaeus, he was good with numbers. He was good with leading people. Uh, he had a great career. He was making good money, Some of it, a lot of it illegally. In the world's eyes, he was living the strong life. Even if the people hated him, and they did, they would look at him and like, but he's got it all, right? He's got power and he's got possessions. He's got prestige. He's got everything that you can imagine. And so in the world's eyes, he looks strong. The truth was, Zacchaeus was weak. Yeah, he had all those things, but something was still missing. There was still this deep longing inside of him to find peace. There was this deep longing inside of him to to find some hope somewhere. There's this deep longing for him, I'm sure of it, to to have relationships with people because nobody wanted to be around this guy. But it even went a little bit deeper than that. And he didn't realize it before this moment when he met Jesus. He had this deep, deep longing for Jesus. And it was at this point in his life where he actually got to experience who Jesus was and this thing that had been missing. Uh, you look at Zacchaeus's life and his world, and it's really not any different than it is here in this, this area that we call home. Because think about it, in this area, we look around and you know, people think we have a lot of strength. Oh, we lead or are part of large organizations. Uh, you know, maybe you have your name and there's all these other little initials and stuff beyond your name that keep going and going. We, we make good money. We have good incomes. We have nice stuff, nice homes, nice possessions. And, and we look around, it's like, oh man, we got it all. We got power, we got prestige, we got, we've got possessions. I'm, I'm living my best life ever. But we're really not. There's this constant battle between our perceived strengths and our real weaknesses. Let me read that one more time. There's this constant battle between our perceived strengths and our real weaknesses. Our strengths can blind us to the struggles that we really have. Because Zacchaeus, his strengths was, he knew these numbers, he could lead these people, he was making him rich. But if you looked at him, he was really broken inside. And so Jesus says, hey, this is what you need to do. I I want to tell you what it looks like to finally find the strength that you need, Zacchaeus. Look at what he says in verse 23. And and he says this to Zacchaeus. He says this to the people that are there around listening. And he still says this to us today. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus gives Zacchaeus a path right here. He gives us a path right here. He says, if you want real strength in your life, here's this path that you've got to find. And the first thing he says is deny yourself, which means let go of your past. Let go of who you are. Let go of your crimes. Let go of these things that you think are strengths. And then he says, take up your cross. He's like, bring your past with you. Bring your burdens, bring your pain, bring your hurts. And then he finally says, follow me. You know, let, let me help you. Let me give you the peace that you're looking for. Let me rescue you from yourself because you need to understand that you are weak and I'm the only place that you can find the strength that you need. 
See, just like with Zacchaeus, that only happens when we fully put our trust in who Jesus is and we follow Jesus. And as I look through what Jesus says here in verse 23, I think what he really has given us are these steps that we can take. And as I look at this, I mean, step one here is we got to realize that we're weak. We have to realize we're weak. Um, if you've been to a job interview anytime recently or just any time in your life, there's usually a couple of questions they ask. One of them is, what are your strengths? And man, we've got like 50 strengths, right? We've got all these things that we're so good at. And like the only thing you can do is turn on the computer, but you'll put on there, I'm an IT specialist, right? This is what we do. Because we want them to think, man, we've got this all together. And so they're like, what are your strengths? We're like, blah, 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 blah. And then they get to the next question. What are your weaknesses? And we only have like one or two. <laughs> and that's all we share. And those really aren't even our weaknesses, right? Because you don't want to tell these people what your real weaknesses are. So you'll kind of say, well, these are my weaknesses. But they're kind of in between the weakness and the strength phase. And so if you get hired and they're like, hey, man, I know this is one of your weaknesses. You told us. Can you handle this? And you're like, oh, I got this. And you figure out the problem in like two hours. And they're like, you're the greatest employee we ever had. You're getting a promotion. We're going to give you $15,000 extra a year. This is incredible. Well, that really was never a weakness. Because we don't like to share our weaknesses. We don't want people to know that we are weak. Zacchaeus, I think if you were to ask him, hey, Zacchaeus, what are your weaknesses? He would have been like, I don't have any. I'm good at what I do. I know that I'm good at this job. I'm a leader. I make money for the people that I need to make money for. for. I've got control. I've got everything that I need. And yet the reality is he was very weak. And the reality is, you and I, we are weak too. And we're not any different than him. We want peace. We want to find hope. We want rest from, from all sort of the, the things, the burdens that the, the world puts on top of us. But what do we keep doing? We keep trying to show our strengths. Because we're too afraid to realize that we have weaknesses and when jesus says deny yourself i believe he's saying be honest with who you are when he says deny yourself understand and realize that you have weaknesses that means you ask yourself the question what are my weaknesses what are the things in my life that are keeping me from following jesus and it could be possessions and prestige and and positions and all of these different things it could very easily be that and i'm guessing it probably fits in there somewhere. It could be money. It could be our finances. It could be addictions. It could be hate. Whatever it is, you and I, we have a weakness, and more than likely, we have weaknesses. But we have to begin by realizing those weaknesses are there. But then that takes us into this next step here, to admit your weakness. Um, Zacchaeus uh, has Jesus show up in his life and then he admits those weaknesses are there. But how hard is it to admit that we're weak? Uh, Kara and I have been married for about 22 years now. And I'll be honest, we don't, we don't disagree a lot. I mean, we do have disagreements. We don't disagree a, 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 a ton. But, um, but when that happens, um, you know, sometimes, many times, it's me. Okay, I'm just going to acknowledge that. It's me. I say or do something dumb and stupid. And, and so I'm usually the one about 99.999% of the time has to come and, and, and apologize. And that's really hard, right? 
It's hard to say I'm wrong. It's hard to say I messed up. It's hard to say, hey, I am weak. And yet Jesus says, deny yourself daily and take up your cross. Now, I want you to think about that. Denying yourself is something we do internally. This, this is us realizing that weakness is there. This is something we do mentally or spiritually inside. We're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I am a messy person. I, I'm not perfect. I, I have these weaknesses. But this next thing Jesus says here is admitting the weakness. He says, take up your cross. You know what that means? It means other people can see that you have those weaknesses. I want you to think back to when Jesus was crucified. He went through his trial. Uh, he, he went through everything there. He was convicted. Now, they didn't throw Jesus in the back of a wagon and pull him up to Golgotha and then crucify him there, right? In that day and time, once you were convicted, you had to carry your cross through the city streets. And so he's carrying this cross. And if you know the story, he can't even make it because he's so worn out and so been beaten and battered from everything that's happened. And so, but, but you've got to carry that. Now, why would they make you carry that cross? They wanted everybody to know that you had been defeated. They wanted everybody to know that you had lost. They wanted everybody to know that you were being convicted of what you had done. And so when Jesus talks here about carrying your cross, it means admitting, admitting your weaknesses. Admitting that you want to show others who, who you are and the things that you're going through. And that may be your spouse, your fiance, uh, your kids, a parent, friend, confident. It may even have to go beyond that. Maybe even something more public than that. But it's admitting I can't do this on my own. I can't get any better on my own. I can't get the healing that I need mentally, spiritually, physically. I can't do any of this on my own. And so denying that, that ourselves and then carrying that cross is getting to this place of realizing the weaknesses are there, but then admitting them. Because only then can God give us the strength we need. Step three, let God be your strength when you're weak. If you're a parent and you've ever taken kids to something like Disney World, and um, you know that morning, everybody, nobody sleeps the night before, everybody's pretty excited. And so uh, everybody gets up and everybody's rambunctious and you get in the car if you're staying off site and we take the monorail or whatever and you show up, you go inside the gate, right? And you get in the gate and if you got young kids, man, they're, wow, they're all over the place. They're running around having a great time. It's wonderful. It's great. By the end of the day, parents, what's going on? Carrying your kids, aren't you? They are toast. They are worn out. Now you are too, but you're the parent. And so you're carrying them in your arm or they're, you know, holding around your neck or you got them up on your shoulder and their legs are hanging off and they're, which is gross because like sweating on you. And sometimes they can't hold it and they pee on your back of your head and stuff. It's gross. You know, what I'm talking about parents. But anyway, parents, what's your deal at that point? They're weak, aren't they? Oh, guess what our job is to be their strength. And honestly, that doesn't make any difference if they're two years old or they're 44 years old, parents. Our job is to be our children's strength when they are weak. And you know what? God wants to be our strength when we are weak. That when you can't take another step, God is there to take that next step for you. That when that relationship has drained you dry, God is there to fill you up. 
That when you're standing there on that ledge, God is there to pull you away from it. When, when you're hanging by a thread, God's there to bring us hope. When you feel defeated, God's there to bring you victory. When you're weak, guess what God's there to do? God is there to be your strength. What does that mean for us? It means we deny ourselves. We understand we are weak. And we carry that cross and admit those weaknesses are there. But then in the end, it means following Jesus and letting go. That we finally let go of our perceived strengths. That we let go of who we are. That we admit that weakness is there. And then we allow God. We let God into our life in such a way that we let God be the strength that we've been longing for. Maybe for our entire life jesus says deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and when we do that and we live that out we get to experience the strength that god has in our weaknesses if you were to look back at the first century and the cross it was a symbol of weakness Uh, it was a symbol of torture it was a symbol of of death but if you think about today we use the cross for ornaments Uh, we use it for necklaces rings Uh, we have it on t-shirts we we have them setting up in our homes and i'm not saying we have to get rid of any of that but a first century jew if they were to walk into your house and they were to see a cross up on the wall they would think you were very sadistic like they wouldn't be able to understand what are you doing because for them in that time the cross meant weakness It meant that you had been defeated. That's what I was talking about when you're carrying your cross to the the city. You've been defeated. You have lost, right? You are the weakest of the weak because you have to go die on this cross. And yet, how did God use the cross? How did God use this sign of weakness? He actually used it to show us strength. He used it to bring hope and peace into our world i I love what paul says in first corinthians 1 18 says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it is the power of god see god took the cross that represented defeat and turned it into a symbol of victory He, he took the cross that represented guilt and he turned it into the symbol of grace he took the cross that represented bondage and turned it into a symbol of freedom He took the cross that represented pain and suffering and turned it into healing and hope. He turned the cross that represented death and turned it into life. Jesus' death looked like the ultimate weakness in God's armor. Like there's no way God can, can do anything here, but what did God do? God took that weakness and he turned it into his greatest strength. That's why I love baptism. Because baptism is a moment where we admit our weakness to those around us. And so maybe for you, you've been a follower of Jesus and you've been on this spiritual journey, but you've never taken that step. Let me, let me tell you something. Um, I, I know that baptism is an important part of the spiritual journey that we're in. And getting to that place of being able to say, hey, internally, I've been denying myself. I've been following Jesus, but I need to admit that I'm weak And that's really what baptism is. You are admitting your weakness so that you can come out and be strong because you're fully following who Jesus is. And for others, maybe you're at this place where you understand, I am weak. 
I, I am broken. I need something. I've been longing for peace and hope and love. And, and, and now I kind of get it. It's, it can only come through Christ. That's where I get my strength from. Maybe for you, today's one of those days you're like, oh, I need to take this step. I need to admit my weakness. I need to show those around me that I'm weak and I need God's strength. On Easter Sunday, we are doing a baptism Sunday here at The Journey. I think we have four, five, six people right now who are going to be taking that step with us. Who are just going to say, you know what? I'm living this life. I know I'm weak. I want to admit that weakness. And I want to fully follow Jesus. I want the strength that only God can give me. And so we invite you. If you're at home right there, you can fill out the connection card that's there make sure you uh, take the time to do that and and maybe you just got questions maybe you just want to ask us questions about baptism like i'm not really sure i want to do this let us answer your questions about what this looks like and and why it's important and if you're in here uh, i know that you can go to your app and uh, i think you can go to your connection card there and you can fill that in you can let us know and we just love to have conversations about that because it is such a beautiful representation It's such a beautiful moment for us to finally say, I understand I am weak. And the only way I can become strong is by taking this step and following Jesus. We're weak. We are. We think we're strong. The world tells us we're strong. We're fully weak. And our strength, the strength that we need, that longing that we have deep inside of us, it can only come It can only be filled. We can only get that strength when we put Jesus first in our life, when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross, and when we follow him. Let's pray. God, we are are weak. Um, Some of us know that and have fully put our faith in who you are and in Jesus and Admitting that weakness has allowed us to be um, better people because of that connection that we have with you through Christ. For others, we're still trying to figure it out in our life, God. We're still uh, in this spiritual journey. We have all these questions, and we're living by our strengths, our perceived strengths, God. But I I pray that you would open up our, our eyes to the weaknesses that are really there. And that maybe we can take that step in our life to fully follow Jesus too. God, our our world is so broken. Uh, God, our our hearts, our prayers go out to the Asian community. And um, God, we we can't comprehend um, the hate that we see in our world. We can't comprehend the actions that people take and... um, just the the terrible impact it has on so many people. You have called us to love each other. No matter who we are, no matter what our bank accounts say, no matter the color of our skin, no matter where we are from, we are humanity and you have, have put us here and created us to live life together. And so God, when when part of humanity hurts, we hurt too. So right now we just lift up the Asian community and there's, there's lives that have been torn apart for forever. But God, we also pray that in some way that there's peace in this, that, that people can find your strength in this. And um, God, I pray that in some incredible way your spirit is moving 
and that maybe more people will come to follow Jesus in a moment like this. That's what we're trying to do, God, in our own lives every day. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to follow Jesus. Help us to admit our weakness so that you can make us strong. In Jesus' name, amen.